Hello everybody, this is our 10th sermon looking at the book of Exodus. Today we're reading from Exodus 15 verse 22 through to verse 7 of chapter 17. And our title today is God's Testing Leads to Growth. The majority of us have been involved in the bringing up of young children either as parents, aunts or uncles, babysitters or friends next door. We know firsthand the joys and challenges this can bring. I wonder what your experience was of the terrible twos. Oh dear, the sweat is beginning to break out on some of you already. When children reach the age of two, they want to begin to express their independence. They start to realise that they no longer need to be carried around everywhere or have to stay by their parents' side. Instead, they're free to make their own decisions and they want to discover how far they can go. It's an age of exploration where children find their boundaries. But of course, a boundary can only be found by pushing against it. So children want to see how long they can go without having their nappy changed. They want to know if they can run around the house naked instead of having a bath. How far will a carrot fly through the air? Well, they'll never find out unless instead of eating it like you want them to, they try throwing it across the table with all their might. Of course, this age is very challenging for parents. It tests their patience to the limit. They begin to doubt their ability to raise a child. They question whether they're bringing up a monster. But they should be encouraged. It would be bad news if your child did not go through this stage in their development. This week I read this quote written by child psychologist Heather Wittenberg to vexed caregivers. Every day your toddler is developing skills and greater awareness and she wants to explore her newfound power. Try to view her defiance as a means of experimenting and learning. A child this age tends to act out with the person she feels the safest with and trusts the most. You. That doesn't make her rebelliousness any less frustrating, but it should help you maintain your patience, rather than viewing her actions as a personal affront. I want us to remember that quote. A child explores their limits in the company of those they feel safest with. And a good parent does not take their defiance personally. Those two thoughts will become very relevant as we look at this reading. But before we get to the passage, I want to push this illustration a little further. As a child continues to grow older, the testing of limits continues. But often the one doing the testing reverses. Soon parents begin testing what their children are capable of. When weaning a child, they put harder and harder food in front of them to see if they can handle it. When teaching them to ride a bike, they stand further and further away and eventually take the stabilisers off. As independence increases, they give the child little errands to run, sending them to the shop with a short list, putting them on the bus for the first time, allowing them to stay at home on their own for a short period. All of these are tests as well to see if the child has become mature enough to take on more responsibility, to engage in more risky activities. If they are capable, you celebrate these milestones being reached. If it is still a little too early, 
more time is spent training and encouraging until they are ready. But through this process, the child becomes more competent. For children then, testing leads to growth. Whether it is the child testing the boundaries of their parents or the parents testing the limits of their children, testing is essential for the development of maturity. So what is the link between this illustration and our passage? Well, the Bible presents the escape from Egypt as the birth of Israel as a nation. It is the moment God called forth his firstborn son from the womb, the travails of the plagues in the Red Sea, the labour pains. Now out in the desert, the Israelites discover a newfound freedom, the ability to make their own decisions for the first time in their lives. Yes, that's right. Our reading today is Israel going through the terrible twos. This is their infancy narrative. And wonderfully, what we discover is God, like the best of parents, taking his child by the hand and patiently and lovingly teaching Israel about who he is and what he has in store for them. Our reading today was a long one because it was made up of three separate episodes. The waters of Mara, the provision of manna, and the events of Massa and Meribah. But I put the three together because they're all linked by one clear theme. Testing. Listen again. In the first story, it comes in verse 25 of chapter 15. Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. In the manna story, it comes in verse 4 of chapter 16. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. In the third story, it comes twice. In verse 2 of chapter 17, they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? And again in verse 7, he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Testing, testing, testing. This is all about testing. The testing going on in a newly formed relationship between father and child, God and Israel. And those of you who were paying attention will have noticed that sometimes it was God testing Israel and sometimes it was Israel testing God. In fact, really, we need to see these as two sides of the same coin. As we saw in our opening illustration, for children to grow up, testing needs to take place in both directions. Let us think a little more about this. Let us start off by thinking about God testing Israel, as this was the direction of activity in the first two episodes. God tested Israel at the bitter waters of Marah, and he tested them again with the provision of manna. It is important we remember that everything that takes place in these stories happens at God's direction. At this stage, Israel are not aimlessly wandering about in the desert. 
God is leading them very deliberately by his pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. So it was God that took them to the bitter waters. It was God that took them into a land with no obvious source of food. When we recognise this, we are already on the path to learning a very important lesson about God. Sometimes God does bring us into situations that call for us to trust him. Sometimes God does allow us to meet circumstances that we cannot solve or find a way out of on our own. Because he wants us to learn that we're totally reliant upon him. When our faith has become apathetic or pedestrian, suddenly we can experience a time where we need to endure. We need to make the effort once more to obey. It's in times of difficulty that we prove once more that our trust in God is real. But more so, it's in times of difficulty that our trust in God deepens. This happened time and again in these three stories. Israel came up against an obstacle, be it water unfit to drink, lack of food or lack of any water at all. They cried out to God. God heard and then provided for Israel's need in a miraculous way that showed their provision could only come from him. The people realising this then grew in their faith. In such ways, God achieved his purpose of bringing Israel closer to himself. This serves as a reminder that even the desert places are God's places. Even out in the wilderness, God is still Lord and knows what he is doing. Jesus discovered this when he went out into the desert and was tested for 40 days. He came back from the wilderness, trusting more in his father, filled with the spirit, and ready to act on God's behalf. Maybe, just maybe, the same is happening to us through this pandemic. We will never fully understand why God has allowed this pandemic to take place, but it is surely fair to say that at some level, it is a test of our faith. It is God calling us back to trust in him alone rather than in the earthly resources that have so quickly been stripped away from us. A reminder that we are to pray to him and obey his command to share his good news with others while we still have the chance. God is still Lord over this pandemic. Perhaps we could see this test that we are experiencing as an opportunity for further growth. In the third little episode contained in our reading, the events of Massa and Meribah, the direction of the testing changes. Now we read of Israel testing God. Let us think about this a little more. When we do so, immediately we are aware that this testing does not come with the same positive intention of that of God's. Instead, there is an element to Israel's grumbling and quarrelling that is wrong. There is a sinfulness to their defiance. By now, Israel have seen God miraculously bust them out of Egypt. He has destroyed Pharaoh's army at the Red Sea. He's led them through the desert by his pillar of cloud and fire. Then each time they'd come across an obstacle, Israel had seen God provide just what they needed. Fresh water at Mara and Elim, food in the wilderness, and not just any old food either, manna that tasted like honey and rich quail to go with it. Israel have seen abundant evidence of God's goodness to them, 
Yet still, as soon as they feel thirsty once more, they start moaning again. Despite all God has done, they doubt. They challenge God, demanding that he prove his worth to them all over again, otherwise they will be off in another direction. They put God on probation, withholding their full trust in him, pending further evidence. There's a real hard-heartedness here. There is an absurdity to it as well. In verse 3 of chapter 16, as Israel were complaining about having no food, they grumbled that they should have been allowed to stay in Egypt where they sat around pots of meat and ate all they wanted to. That is absolute nonsense. In Egypt, they were being exterminated. Egypt was the land of slavery and genocide, not banquets. The level of their forgetfulness is extreme. And it all begs the question, what is really going on here? Well, like a two-year-old child, Israel are discovering freedom for the first time. They're realising that they're free to make their own decisions and have a power to their actions that they have never had before. And just like with a two-year-old, these discoveries open up a whole new world to them, a world they firmly believe that they are at the centre of. Nothing is more important than meeting their own perceived needs and as quickly as possible. Yes, these thoughts are selfish and sinful, but they're also natural for human beings as well. We need help to work through them. And this is where that quote from the child psychologist that I read to you earlier is helpful. Children behave like this with those they trust the most, those that make them feel safe. And a good parent does not take it personally, but patiently keeps setting the boundaries and giving the discipline the child needs to learn that actually the world does not revolve around them. Others need to be thought of as well. You see, God knows all this. This is the way he made us to be. And this explains why, although Israel is selfish and sinful, he keeps lovingly answering their prayers and giving them what they need. He will prove again and again to Israel as they test him out that he's up to it and he will be all they need him to be. One day Israel will have to grow out of this behaviour. But for now, God understands. And the same is true for us as believers today. When we struggle, we're invited to cry out to God. There are many psalms that give us the language to grumble and complain. And God will hear those prayers and answer them. He will take us by the hand and lead us through our trials. But he will also expect us to be learning as we go. To be growing in faith. To be realising that the world does not revolve around us, but around God. Eventually we have to learn our place and seek to sin no more. This is what it is to grow up to maturity. There is one final thing that I would like us to look at from this passage. Through the testing that takes place back and forth, we get a glimpse into what that maturity looks like. What the life is that God wants us to grow up into. How we are to behave as grown-up people of God. It has been said that it took little time for God to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took a very long time to get Egypt out of Israel. In other words, the habits and behaviour Israel developed in slavery took a long time to undo, 
and be replaced by godly habits and behaviour. It took a long time for God to nurture the character he desired in his people, to restore them into the image that he made them to bear, his image. In the central episode of our reading, the story of the manna, God is working to form his people through testing, as we have already thought about. That testing came in the form of three commands. The first command was that Israel were to go out each day and collect enough food for them to eat. They were not to take extra. They were not to stockpile or save for a rainy day. They were to take only what they needed. The second command was about the Sabbath. They were to take twice as much manna on the eve of the Sabbath, because on the Sabbath they were to rest and do no work, and no manna would come that day at all. The third command was that they were to keep a jar of manna as a permanent reminder for all the generations to come of how God provided for his people in the wilderness. All three of these commands speak to us about the transformation God was wanting to work in the character of his people. The first command tells us that God wanted to turn Israel's grasping into a reliance on his grace. When you are a slave, you grab anything that comes your way. If you see a crumb of bread, you seize it and you gobble it down as quickly as possible. For you don't know when your next meal would come and you don't want to risk losing it to someone else. But now they are free. Israel are to grasp no longer. They are to trust in God's gracious provision and they are to live in God's grace by treating all equally and ensuring that everyone has enough. The second command tells us that God wanted to turn Israel's grumbling into gratefulness. By providing the Sabbath, they have space to think, reflect and worship. Opportunity once a week to remember all that God had done for them and to say thank you. Still today on the Sabbath, grumbling about work is to stop and we're to take up grateful worship instead. The third command tells us that God wanted to turn Israel's greed into generosity. In this story, God heard Israel's cries. He provided for their needs and he commanded them to remember it. By placing the manna in the Ark of the Testimony, when it was eventually built, was to enshrine in the behaviour of Israel that they were to act in the same way. Instead of just being greedy for themselves, they were to hear the cries of others around them and provide what they could from their own resources. They were to give like God gave to them. They were to imitate God in word and deed. We know this is how the Jews understood this command because in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul taught exactly the same. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul called on the church he had planted to give to those in need and he quoted verses from this story in Exodus as to the reason why. Israel were always to remember how God had provided for them and in turn they were to help those who were struggling. So grasping to grace, grumbling to gratefulness, greed to generosity. This is what the path of maturity looks like. This is what it means to grow up from a spiritual baby to a fully grown adult. This is what it means to be transformed into the image of God. This is what God is trying to achieve in all of us. And at times he will allow us to be tested to enable this process to take place. 
As Christians, we do not rely any longer on food raining down from the sky or water gushing up from the rocks. Instead, we see these things as symbols foreshadowing what the Lord Jesus achieved for us. In Jesus, we have the bread of heaven that leads us to hunger no more. In Jesus and his spirit, we find the water that wells up within us to bring eternal life. In Jesus, God has provided for our greatest needs once and for all. But we still go through periods of trial and testing. Periods where we struggle and have to choose to keep trusting and obeying God. Periods like this pandemic. Let us remember that even in the darkness of this present time, Jesus is Lord. And that even periods of testing can be used by God for our good. Let us continue our path to maturity by trying to live gracious, grateful and generous lives. Rather than grumbling and grasping for ourselves, let us seek to love and care for others in the same way that our Heavenly Father has cared for us, his children.